0: what's up party people make some noise if you're excited to be in church tonight let's go to everybody that's joining us online we are so excited i want to give it up for our host pastors are they not a tremendous couple pastor jamie and sandra thank you so much for allowing me to be here and to be with you. I love them. You are blessed with great leadership and sacrifice and heart and care. I wanna just give them honor publicly and let them know that I appreciate you and your family and for everything that you do. I wanna thank all of the volunteers that serve here, people that clean up the tissues, clean the bathrooms, help park the cars, put out the signs, deal with your crazy babies. Yeah, all the volunteers that make this church amazing in a big, big way. Those that are serving behind the scenes right now, making sure I look cute. Thank you. Our band, everybody rocking the house. I think it is so amazing. Yes. Oh, we got some people that like the band, like Lord have mercy. Wow. Lord. And then I'm so thankful to be with my longtime friend, Pastor Brandon Shanks is in the house tonight. Such a... Great local pastor here in town as well. We've been friends. We go way back like babies in Similac. I love him so much. I'm so proud of him. And I made the acquaintance of Pastor Reeves in the house with the cool name and the cool Jordans. God's going to use you when you got the right Jordans. It's It's just a fact. I'm just... A pleasure to make your acquaintance, and I'm glad to all of our first time guest people that are joining us online. And if you're a member of this church, a regular attender, thank you so much for giving, attending, and serving, particularly in a very, very strange period of time in human history. I want to thank you for being here because 2020 was a year, wasn't it, man? Right? Like, <laughs> Lord have mercy. Como se dice, I'm glad it's gone. Is there <laughs> anybody that's like, Bye, Felicia. Y'all, I got... <laughs> I'm just glad to see that 2020 is gone. We dealt with so much issues and so much drama, and I'm sick and tired of all the things that were associated with it, with all of the tension, with all of the politics, with all of the Karens, with all of the... <laughs> Just everybody, I'm just ready to be in a new year and to deal with new things. And here we are in this brand new year, still dealing with some of the challenges and some of the insecurities and some of the pain and pressure that is left over from what we just went through. We're still in the midst of a global pandemic and we're dealing with a lot of issues. And usually when I'm dealing with issues, I love to turn to the scriptures and try to find some hope and some solace and to find some direction for my life. And so hopefully tonight, regardless of where you land spiritually, regardless of what you believe about the Bible, you'll press into this ancient story that we're about to get into because there came a time in the history of the Jewish people where they experienced a little bit of what we're going through collectively because of their refusal, the children of Israel, their refusal to honor the one and only Lord, their God. They started to have idolatrous ideas that turned into idolatrous worship and the Lord chastened them and put them into captivity that lasted 70 years, 70 years as Babylonian warriors marched into the Hebrew people's beloved city, Jerusalem. The vision of those captives grew so blurry as they were being taken away from everything that they knew. I can imagine tears that were salty running down their cheeks like a faucet as they watched their cherished city in the distance go so far away from everything that they had ever hope for as these foreigners ravaged their city. There was a cruel king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar that led the invasion. He completely destroyed Jerusalem, the temple, and all of its furniture. He carried off all the treasures of the temple for that time. And for 70 years, Seventy years, Israel would have to live in captivity as they watched their lives go without the feasts and without their temple and without the sacrifices and all of the rituals that made them the people that were supposed to reflect God to an on-looking world. And for 70 years, they had no temple which identified them as the people of God. For 70 years, it was church at home. (laughs) And y'all were thinking about six months is a long time of... They didn't have the interwebs to do church online. It was their season. But toward the end of their 70-year captivity, another leader and king named Cyrus overthrew Nebuchadnezzar, gives them permission to return back home. And historians tell us that almost 50,000 Jews... Return back to Palestine while not everybody returned, some did. Can you imagine how these ancient Jews felt when stage one of the reopening happened? <laughs> They abandoned their lives in Babylon and made this dangerous and difficult journey through the desert back to the place that they had once known. And when they arrived home, not much is familiar. The places that they loved were overturned. Their neighborhood had been gentrified by foreign people. They didn't know how things were going to go. Their favorite race- restaurants only had takeout. <sighs> The lines were long and they couldn't get into the places that they were accustomed to. The city had torn down walls, buildings, and things were ravaged and a bunch of new people were in town and there was this eeriness that they had to deal with as these exiles returned to a life with no central place to worship, no identity. Do you think they immediately went to stage four of their reopening? The scriptures don't let us know that they just went back to life as usual. In fact, the truth is, for those of us watching online and those in the auditorium right now, life has changed. We are all starting over. Small businesses, churches and charities, families. We're all trying to figure out what it looks like to live in a new world. We're experiencing a lot of things. And today we're going to an Old Testament book called Ezra. Ezra is going to talk about how they built the temple over. But I want to say something to everybody. that's grown in this house, that's in this house right now and those watching online, I want to let you know that before they rebuilt a house, they rebuilt their habits. And a lot of people right now... In North American churches are really trying to rebuild the house of God before they rebuild their own habits. And I want to let you know today that if you're ever going to have a successful church or a successful family after things have been destroyed, you got to get some habits back in place. You got to get some things because I want to let you know, coronavirus didn't just break down our culture, it broke down our habits. So the Bible says, in early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. I want to let you know some of the habits that you need to have if we're ever going to rebuild a house. And the first thing that needs to come in place is unity. Right here in the text, it says that when they started to get back, they came with a unified mind. I wish I had some people in Transformation Church today that understood we can't rebuild a church until we get unified in our vision to rebuild a Take unity. It's going to take one heart, one mind, one spirit, one focus, one vision. It's not about your vision and your family's vision and your idea and your logic model. It's going to be us unifying in purpose. So, 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 watch this, because I got to get to my sermon. All right. So, 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 Joshua, the son of Jehozadak joined his fellow priests in Zerubbabel. Listen to me. This is very interesting because these are the leaders that are leading the charge of rebuilding habits before they build a house. And here's what they did. Here's what the scripture says. With his family in rebuilding the altar. Let me just say something to all the husbands and the wives, the spouses in the house. If we're ever going to get back in the habit of building a great house, we got to do it with our families. It can't just be mom and dad. It can't just be brother and sister. To come into church. Everybody's got to get together and say we have a unified mind and a unified family to come back to the house. Here's what they wanted to do: they wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar, as instructed in the law of Moses. The man of God. These are the two main leaders that were rebuilding this project, and out of the rubble, they're starting to build revival. I love that this verse shows collaboration because we experience the best of God as we experience the best of each other know that there are some of you that are watching online today. We want to make sure that you know that this is safer and cleaner than Walmart. You can come back to church Because we got to do this all together. What I love here is that they started building altars. Why are altars important? Altars in the Old Testament were built for two reasons. To commemorate notable experiences with God and as an act of worship. And what I love here is that they built the altar first, they, woo, my God, they felt like before they could build a great house, they had to reestablish their habits, and I want to say something to you, before there was a Sunday school room, before there was a lobby, before there was a parking lot, before there was a growth track room, they built an altar, let me just say something to some of us in this house today, the altar wasn't built before the foundation, the altar was the foundation. that some of us during this pandemic we lost our prayer lives and God says before you build a great church again you gotta build a great altar again it's not about your metrics it's not about it's not about you just doing church attendance it's about having a prayer life of your own and God says where's the altar where's the altar yeah Yep. There cannot be a church without an altar, but there can be an altar without a church. (laughs) All right, let let me push there a little bit longer. You see what the flesh makes available, prayer makes avoidable. And the problem with us during this pandemic is everything's been available to our flesh. Every type of sin, every type of attitude, every type of weakness, every type of habit. And God says, if the flesh is making things available, let your prayer life make those things avoidable. You're still still not there. We've overthought prayer to under-practicing prayer. So you're like, oh, I got to pray. Oh, I got to spend an hour in the present. No, no, you don't. You got to focus on building a habit of five minutes with the Lord daily, right? That builds over a period of time. Too many of us are concerned about the frequency of prayer, not understanding the function of prayer. You got to know what the function is. Look, even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its own, its old site. Then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and evening. What was that? A habit. It's your habits that shape you. Each morning and evening, you need a slot and a spot and a strategy. You need a place where you're undistracted. You need something to pray about in a strategic way. And you need a dedicated time where you talk to God. All right, I got to get to the sermon. So, so, so here it is. They, they celebrated the festival of shelters as prescribed in the law, sacrificing the number of burnt offerings specified for each day of the festival. So in the book of Nehemiah, we get color and context for what's happening here and we we don't get to go through everything. But Ezra, he led this charge of getting people back to the word so they understood what they were missing. Because before you build a wall, you got to re- understand what are the habits that build a house. And for many of us, we got to get back into the word. Oh, yes, on your own. Because the temple was destroyed and disrupted and the pattern of people connected with the word was just like us. Too many of us are so accustomed to reading scripture only on these scriptures. Screens and not the screen that's in your hand or the old school liturgy of a Bible. Okay, I, I'm going to push a little bit further. Get, I, I'm only here one night. If y'all don't like me. Look, we've hid the word of God in the house, but we don't do a good job of hiding it in our hearts all the time. You can burn down a house, but you can't burn down your heart. That's why the psalmist said things like, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Can I just say something to some people in this house? We got to develop a new appetite for the word of God. We got to get excited again about the Bible. We got to say, listen, one scripture a day keeps the devil away. You ain't got to read the whole of Ecclesiastes. You ain't got to read the whole of Leviticus. All you need is one scripture a day so that you can keep the devil away. I wish I had some people in this place that realize that I need more than a sermon. I need more than a series. I need the word of God in my life every day. All right, I got to get to my sermon. So, 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 they, they, they also offered regular burnt offerings. See what's happening? Regular burnt offerings, habits that rebuild the house and the offerings required for the new moon celebrations and the annual festivals as prescribed by the Lord. These people also gave voluntary offerings to the Lord because when things get broken down and disrupted in the church, the first thing that people would do is withhold their money. Oh, man. The lordship of money controls us more than we think. And these people had to get back to giving voluntary offerings because the best offerings to God are free will, not forced. And so they're rebuilding their habits. They're starting to say, okay, we got to pray again. We got to get back in the word. And we got to get back to being generous. Can I talk to some people in this house right now? We're not condemning anybody. We're telling you that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And if we're ever going to rebuild a house, we got to be people that are generous. Allowing ourselves not to allow the lordship of money to destroy our lives. Now can I preach a little while? 15 days before the festival of shelters began, the priests had begun to sacrifice burnt offerings to the Lord and this here it is was even before they started to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple all of this happened before there was a foundation all of this happened before things resumed they had to build habits they decided that if we're ever going to be happy in this new context we're gonna have to rebuild some habits can I speak to some people in this room today God's just trying to encourage you get back to that prayer life get back to your passion in the Word. Get back to being a generous person with your time, your talent, and your treasure because God wants to do something big. And before you even lay the foundation, you got to have these habits. Watch this the construction of the temple began in mid spring, and the workforce was made up of everyone. Shout everyone. Who had returned from exile. Then watch this in verse 8. The Levites who were 20 years old or older were put in charge of the rebuilding of the Lord's temple. I feel like preaching to the young people right now all up in this place. I got a bunch of y'all over here. God's not waiting for your mom to be the first one here. God's not waiting for somebody that's 40 or 50 or 60 alone. He's looking for some of you young people that are going to rebuild the temple. Getting your friends back to church. Getting your friends all up in youth service nights. I want to speak to some people. It's going to take everybody black people, white people, Asian, island people, Jamaican people, everybody <laughs> to rebuild the Lord's temple. And when the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and they took their places to blow the trumpet. Are you ready? Because I got to get to the sermon. And the Levites descendants, I'm almost there, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as the King David prescribed. And with praise and thanks, they sang the Lord, because what are they doing? They had prayer. uh huh. And then they decided that, you know what else we got to do? Got to get back in the word. Got to get back to free will offerings. And then now we're getting to what? Worship. So everybody comes back and they got their drip. See, some of y'all don't know what drip is. You're going to have to look in that urban dictionary. They know what that drip is. You see how I, see how I came with that drip tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, my kids would be mortified by that. They'd be like, oh, my God, Dad, stop, please. They're like, you just nay-nayed. Nay-nayed it was like back in 1951. What are you doing? So, so... So watch this. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord. Here it is. Because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. Listen, there was no church offices. There was no auditorium, no haze machine, no cool screens, no worship pastors with holes in their jeans and cool V-necks. I'm not hating on the worship pastor. I'm just saying. No lobby, no coffee, no first-time guest packets. No parking team, no bathrooms with nice little mints for your mouth so you can have a mintistry. None of that had happened. But the people are shouting and praising the Lord just because the have been laid. Can I ask you a question? Are you the type of follower of Jesus that can praise God even though things are incomplete? I know your marriage doesn't look like you want it to look. I know your career is not going in the direction you want it to go. I know that you can't get everything, but can you praise God even though things are incomplete? Can you still shout even though things are not fully... Can you still raise your hands? Can you still do it? Uh-huh. Can you be faithful even though everything is still incomplete? And too many of us are waiting for a full-finished building, a full-finished marriage, a full-finished career, the promotion, everything in your mind. But if you can praise God while things are incomplete, if you can praise God, even if you just have a foundation, God works when we serve him in the incomplete. (laughs) Uh, uh, All right, let me get to the sermon now. Here it is. Watch. Verse 12. Many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together. Whoa, I feel like preaching. Mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. Two different reactions to the incomplete. Just in this audience a second ago if you just would have observed it from my vantage point there were two different reactions to me preaching about the incomplete there were people that were standing up and they were going nuts because you know in your life things are un- incomplete and others of you you were reserved you two different reactions to the incomplete the older generation was like you should have seen the packed out auditoriums we had before covid you should have seen you should have tasted the coffee that we had it was free too The older generations like you should have seen the floors, they saw Solomon's temple with all of its glory, with all of its bells and whistles, the presence of God coming down and interrupting services. They saw all of that and they started to lament because all they could think about was church in the past. But there's one generation that was born in that 70-year captivity. They started going to a context that had no walls, no temple, no sort of structure. But they were excited to see something new beginning. And they were laughing. So the question is, for those of us in the middle of COVID-19, are you going to lament or are you going to laugh? Because either way, there's a new foundation. Church is different. The world is different. And you can cry over what it used to be. Or you you can value what God is trying to do in this new iteration of what church and ministry looks like. The problem with us is that we're measuring tape Christians. We measure everything. Oh, it's not the same. Services are different. Life used to be, and you just keep taking out your measuring tape and measuring the way things are. And these people, they were crying fresh tears over old memories instead of giving new praise for their current context and their future ministry. They were saying, remember the old days instead of how do we shape the new day? like I liked how things used to be instead of saying how do we build how things were but there is a generation born in that captivity that were saying let's go let's go, let's build something new, we have a new foundation yes, the measurements are smaller, yes it doesn't have all the bells and whistles yes, it's dip. can I preach to some pastors or some leaders in this place for a little while, I want to preach to you and encourage your spirit, I know exactly what it's like to go from visitors to views and when the views go down you wish you had more visitors and God is trying to let us know that before you have revival you got to clear rubble it took them years to remove stuff because sometimes things got to get broken down so you can build something better and for a while while they were rebuilding the work had paused Just shy after a month that they had obeyed the word of the Lord and they started rebuilding. They paused for a little while and God didn't glass over the situation. In fact, he sends a prophet named Haggai to prophesy during the same time that we're reading stuff in Ezra. So you got to read it as a peripheral book. Are you with me, everybody? Because I'm almost to my message. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) And people were discouraged because maybe you're looking at your marriage And maybe you're looking at your career and maybe you're looking at your 401k and maybe some of you are looking at your savings and maybe some of you are looking at your Christian mingle profile and nothing's popping off and you're remembering the context. So this prophet comes to people that are discouraged because they've been looking at the past and he says, does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. I'm preaching to people right now. You're looking at some things and comparison is killing you. You're scrolling through your feed on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and comparison is killing you. You wish that things used to be the way they were, but they're not anymore. And God is saying to us, do you remember the former house and you're looking at this? It must seem like nothing, but watch what God says. I feel like preaching this thing here. The Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Yeshua. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. And now get to work. For I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Can I preach to some people in this house and say, stop scrolling and get to work? getting all up in the comments on facebook and get to work stop worrying about what your neighbor has and what you don't got and get to work stop worrying about the numbers at church on sundays and get to work stop looking at what the media is saying and get to work into reaching people that are far from god but close to us get to work get to work get to work work. i know the former glory is what it was but now it's time to get back to work Here's what he says, my spirit remains among you just as I promised when you came out of Egypt, so do not be afraid. Transformation Church, the spirit still remains among us. Come on, people. Come on, families. Come on, young people. The Spirit's still here. It may not feel like the world is getting any better, but the Spirit's still in the middle of us. God promised that he will help us by being in the midst of us. And here's the deal. You better get this. If you're taking notes, this is something you need to write down. God's Spirit took them out of Egypt. (laughs) God's Spirit even took them out of exile. But here's something that the Spirit of God will never take you out of. Your excuses. Spirit took them out of the bondage of Egypt took them away from Babylonian captivity. But you know what God will not do? He will not take you out of your excuses. That's why I'm saying I don't want to hear people telling me we've tried that before. It won't work. No. Get to work. We're going to try something else. There's going to be joy mixed with sorrow but as for me and my house, we're going to laugh. We're not going to lament over what it used to be. We're going to laugh. Here's why. For this is what the Lord of the Heaven's Army says. In just a little while, I will shake again the heavens and the earth and the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations. In other words, God's getting ready to shake some stuff up like a Polaroid picture. You think that this world's got some stuff on God? God's about to shake, shake like a Polaroid picture this world right now so that he can bring what he wants to bring to pass. He says the silver is mine and the gold is mine. In other words, for those of us that are worried about money, it wasn't your money in the first place. We're not worried about Bitcoin. We're not... (laughs) We ain't worried about what Kramer's got to say on that money. We're not worried about what you're for. Stop worrying about money and start realizing that God has everything in control. Hear me now. The future glory, God says, of this temple will be greater than its past glory. And I will bring me. You think Transformation Church was awesome two years ago? Well, guess what? God's about to bring more glory out the future. There's going to be more peace. There's going to be more anointing. There's going to be more presence, power, joy. Because the future glory of our church is going to be greater than the past. And I want to tell somebody today, if you're ever going to build a great house, you got to rebuild great habits. Personal habits. Now, look. The first home that I built, we built it from scratch in Indianapolis. I'm from New York. My family is from Jamaica. I was born and raised in the Bronx, which makes me a Jafakin, it's awesome. (laughs) And I remember buying our first house in Indianapolis because buying a house in New York takes, como se dice, 95 years, okay? And we built this house feeling bougie. You know what I'm saying? We're getting to pick out everything. Knobs, carpet, French doors on the bedroom. Hallelujah to God. <laughs> Faucets, all kinds of stuff. We're getting to build everything out. And this is awesome. And we built this first house, almost 3,500 square foot. It was amazing. We loved it. It was awesome. But then we had to move. I got a job in St. Louis, which, by the way, I hate St. Louis. Um, (laughs) Let me just go on record, just let my stuff. I hate St. Louis. St. Louis is a city where it's like something really cool happened in the 1800s and never happened again. It's like. (laughs) Like we built the arch. Awesome. Let's go home, Bob. You know, it's like If you're from St. Louis and you're mad about that. Let me give you my email address. It's no reply at lifechurch.com. So, OK, so we, we, we went into our we went to our second house. In St. Louis and we, we we didn't build this one we bought this one but it was nice 4,000 square foot larger than our other house it was so cool it was you know big backyard we had our kids there and it was so awesome this is the, and what the funniest thing and the coolest thing was we lived on Confederate Way black people <laughs> only black people all <laughs> confederate way we would invite brothers over and give them our address they like yo you sure we could come bro like yo, like yo dog you what what time we should come man like, like confederate you said <laughs> pentecostal kevin hart at church tonight so okay so so we built that house and it was awesome and we moved then we moved to new york right? We sold it and we were living in like little small apartments and townhouses. And it was tough from going from those two contexts to now living in an apartment that costs $4,000 a month. And we would just move from apartment to apartment in a two mile radius to save a hundred bucks. And we were starting a church from scratch, we had no money, really. I was working multiple jobs. I'm Jamaican, so that's not a big deal. But we were, <laughs> we were trying our best to get it off the ground. It took us nine years before we had enough money, a decade of living in New York almost, to save up enough money to buy the house that we're currently living in. But when the realtor came and told us that we had this opportunity to buy this new house, it was awesome. I didn't know we were gonna have this capacity to do it. And the realtor called us, right, everybody? And said, they said, hey, you gotta come and see this house because somebody's either gonna buy it as an investment or I promise you, it is gonna go like this. So me and my best friend, my best friend Jeffrey, you know, we, we drove to go see this house. And while we're driving up the road, I was like, man, this is awesome, man. In a neighborhood, I never thought that we could live in it's It's like really, really awesome. And we drove to it. It's this really small house, probably the smallest house that we've ever lived in for sure. And I was like, dude, this is it. I'm buying this house. This is awesome. This is incredible. Walked around. I'm like, man, this just feels good. Stage of life, perfect, in our price range and everything. You would never think we could get it. And and so I said, I'm gonna call my wife and I'm I'm gonna get her to come see the place. Now I I hope I get to come back and bring my wife with me. She's tall, she's statuesque, she's beautiful. She's gorgeous, man. She's awesome. But she's also like a Black Valley girl. Do you, do, do, you, do you remember Valley girls from back in the day, like California? So when she's upset, she's like really like a bougie Black Valley girl. And so she drove up to the house to meet us there with the realtor. And she's like, oh, my God. She's like, Wayne, this house is like so small. Like, oh, my God, it doesn't even have a garage. Like, what am I going to do during the winter time when I've got to, like, get my car out? Are you going to shovel? Are you going to wipe the car off? Like, oh, my God, Wayne, there's no storage. Where am I going to put our china from the wedding? Oh, my God, you know I need a place to put the Christmas tray. Like, oh, God, and she's just going off. Uh, God Wayne like, in front of the real tattoo <laughs> and she's noticing the dimensions and how small everything is because she's comparing the now with the latter and yet what she doesn't understand is on this property we have more square footage in land than we've ever had It's just the house is smaller. And so she doesn't have vision for what could be because she remembers what was. And many of us are the same way, a new opportunity. And because it's not as big as you think it should be, you despise where you currently are right now. And so God says to his people through another prophet, Zephaniah, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you may be in a context where things feel different, feel small, feel contained, don't feel as large as you like to, but God is saying please don't despise these days of new and small beginnings because I'm getting ready to work and I delight in where you are right now. I delight in your fact that you're going to have to have more dependency. I delight in the capacity that you're in right now. (laughs) Now watch this, everybody, because we're measuring tape Christians. Here's what God says. Throw up that verse again, verse 10. Don't despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. But here it is, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. We're measuring tape people. We like finite definitive things that we can measure and see and calculate. How's it going to work? What's the exact measurement? But God says, no, 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 no. Don't use a measuring tape. I don't delight in that. I don't delight in you trying to size me up. I delight in a plumb line. See, a plumb line is a way to get a measurement where it relies on gravity. Something that you can't see, something that you can't control, something that you can't touch. Out, something you can't touch. But when it gets equilibrium, you can build on it because it'll make something perfectly centered. What God is trying to do in this church right now is to get us to get rid of our measuring tapes, get it out of your marriage, get it out of your career ambitions, get it out of your pursuit at college, and start getting a plumb line where you can feel the gravitational pull of the Holy Spirit that is going to let you know, is this built on Jesus? Is, this the, is Jesus the center of my hope? Is he the center of my joy? Is he the center of my values? Is he the center of my sexual purity? Is he the center of my financial decisions? Is he the center? Get the measuring tape out your hand and start getting a plumb line that is determined by the work of the Spirit. Everybody standing and those of you online. If you know that you're in this house right now and you're a follower of Jesus, you've made him leader and Lord in your life, but you know you got some rebuilding of habits and you want to participate in this prayer, you're saying, hey, Wayne, can you pray for me? I, I, I got some habits that I need to get back in place. If that's you, you can put some comments right now online. Throw some emojis. Throw that emoji up that says, I'm putting my hand up right now if you want to participate in this. If you're a follower of Jesus, if that's you and you're saying, hey, I want to rebuild some habits, pray for me right now. Let me just pur- me me just lead us in a prayer father in the name of Jesus God there's a new foundation that's been laid God we're in a new context a new world help us God not to lament over the past help us to laugh because the future is bright help us to rebuild our habits of prayer oh God of reading your word of worship, of giving generously in our finances, our time, and our talents, God. Help us to be true worshipers, but also, God, help us not to look at the past, but to rejoice that your spirit remains among us in my marriage, in my family, in my context, in my college, in my high school, in my middle school classroom. God, while I'm in Zoom online, through using all different types of formats just to go through my life right now, God, let every person in this room realize I need big habits before we build a big house. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to unify our minds and our thoughts in this. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe there's a person right now you want to start fresh with God. I'm just going to say a prayer before our host or Pastor Jamie comes back. I want to let you know that you can open up your heart big and wide to God in this moment. If that's you and you're saying, I need to start fresh with God. I only came to church tonight because a friend asked me to come. But for some reason, this message is dealing with me that I have some things that I need to rebuild in my life before I could build other things. If that's you, while every head's bowed, nobody looking around, hearts open big wide to God, just like many of us raised our hands a second ago. If you're one of those people that want to participate in a fresh start prayer, you're saying, man, I want to, I need to connect with God. I I have never prayed a prayer to start fresh with God, or I've walked away from church for a while. If that's you, raise your hand above your head. I'm going to pray for you. Don't be intimidated. Thank you, sir. Look at that already. Somebody's raising that. Other people are raising their hands right now saying that's me. So here it is. You don't have to pray this audibly, but you do you need to pray something in your heart along these lines. And for those of us online, you could do the same as well. Father, I've sinned and I'm sorry. I turn away from leadership of my own life and I turn over the leadership of my heart to Jesus. I believe he died. He rose again for my sins. Give me your Holy Spirit and the strength to follow him. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you just prayed a, yeah, church, you just prayed that prayer, let's celebrate together. Let's rebuild our habits so we can rebuild a great house.